we're celebrating the grind and we're telling everybody how busy we are. And it's like, no, 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 like you're losing the game. Like you've already lost, right? Yes, and those of us that are honestly as you know more productive and not just busy, understand that. We see that like it's not a badge of honor. It's not a badge of honor at all that you're so busy that you don't have a life outside of your job. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. What's up, real estate rock stars? I'm hanging out today with my good friend, Lindsay Eskerka. She's a tremendous team leader with the David Green team out of SoCal. You might know that name from Bigger Pockets. Now, she's a mom of two small kids and has done a great job managing time, managing a huge business, supporting agents in her organization. I can't say enough about all the great work that she's done. I present you with Lindsay Eskerka. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brevity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used LineDesk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow Up gives you the most integrations mm-hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like Follow Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow Up Boss. Purely objective. Follow-Up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show.
What's up, real estate rock stars? Today, I have the distinct privilege of hanging out with Lindsay Eskirka from SoCal. She's a lead agent with the David Green team, and I just can't wait for you to get to know her like I have. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you, Courtney. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. And before we got started recording, Lindsay, we were telling stories about what it's like being parents in this wild business that we're in. Tell our yeah. listeners a little bit about uh, how old your kids are right now. Yeah, so my son is about to turn three, Grayson, and then Isabel is my daughter. She's four, so they're 17 months apart. <laughs> and I was laughing said, with Lindsay. Right? <laughs> yeah, and, well, enough said for me too, because mine are seven, seven and five. They're about the same yeah. distance apart, and and we were lamenting some of the challenges that one has. And and I have to say, Lindsay, I think the challenges of moms are far more distinct and uh, very more um, palpable than they are for dads. You know, I had it quite easy compared to, I'm sure, what you went through. Describe for our listeners, you know, the beginning. You told me a story about a deal in escrow at a very crucial time. Can you share that story with us? Crucial. Yes, that's a great word for it. So <laughs> when my son was born, he's my second. I already had my daughter. She's about 17 months at the time. And I had a listing and got an offer for a listing on my way to the hospital. And I was in labor. And I said, well, this is, there's a timeline on this thing, right? So I had to open escrow. Basically, well, uh, luckily, we just accepted the offer pretty quickly, but then had to open escrow while in the hospital with all the glory of postpartum. So it was, uh, and I was hesitant to tell clients at the time, honestly, because I don't want them mm -hmm. to worry. I'm like, I got this. You know, that's just kind of how I am. Don't worry. I can take care of it. I can handle it. Um, but you know, motherhood has really brought on a whole new, um, set of skills that I think are really imperative that I'm, I'm very grateful for. It's been a challenge. Yes. But I think it's made me a better business person, a better leader, a better agent. So very mm. grateful for it, but yes, I can sympathize and empathize with others who are in that same life stage. Oh my gosh. And you kind of glossed over the, the postpartum and I mean the, the, the emotional <laughs> trauma that one deals with having a new baby in the house, Never mind, you know, all the challenges of hormonal imbalance. Um, you know, that's something that men don't experience. And I can tell you from my own experience, it was a tremendously difficult time. And I had a lot of the personal growth that you talk about, but you're dealing with a, a lot more variables in your experience for sure. Definitely there. You become very good at multitasking and you know, there's the argument that you cannot multitask. Well, you kind of have no choice sometimes, right? So there's mm -hmm. times where I did have to answer an email or whatnot, but at the same time, I think continuing to work when it made sense to right? um, as a new mom, it gave me a sense of purpose. You know, it, it helped me get back to feeling like myself sooner. And it, it, I love what I do. I love my job. So it didn't yeah. feel like work. And I was grateful that I could bring my kids with me. You know, they make the best showing buddies, right? They just sleep <laughs> in their car seat and clients loved it. And that was a, a fun phase kind of in my life and in my business for sure. Yeah. But, it, you know, again, you, you make these things sound tremendously easy when a lot of times I'm sure that you didn't feel like packing up a baby or two and heading out of the house to go serve clients needs. I'm sure that many times you just wanted to kind of stay home and enjoy that, that uh, bliss. Right. And you get a new perspective, right? I mean, you may see uh, people who are perhaps childless or not the same life stage claiming they're so busy or they have so much to do. And I think you have no, you have no idea, right? You, yeah. you have no idea. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's a whole, I guess when you're on the other side of it, I know my kids are, three and four, they play together. They're no longer, you know, little, little babies anymore. Um, mm -hmm. On the other side of it, I can look back at that phase of my life and be grateful, but it absolutely, I'm not going to sugarcoat. It was a challenge. It was very oh, difficult. Sure. Um, so I remember the, the first, I think it was like the first five months, uh, both of our kids required sleep training. Neither one of them was a great sleeper. And uh, we adopted a program where, where the, it was the dad's responsibility to make all this happen. And I specifically mm. remember that kind of like half year period with both children 
where you'd be kind of going on three, four, maybe if you got super lucky, five hours of sleep per night. And, and my wife's looking at me like she wanted to kill me because like five was bliss. Like she's getting like two or three, right? She's breastfeeding, like you said. And um, I remember getting through that and thinking, wow, like this is so easy now that, I've, that I'm sleeping five, six, seven hours a night. Like my jobs never seem so simple. And then you and I both talked about how much better we get with time management when you're prioritizing yes. these littles, you know, like yes. supper time is now really, really important. Your weekend time is now really, really important. So walk us through what that transition meant to you personally and to your business. Yes. Thank, and thank you for asking that. This is a really important thing, not just for parents. I think anyone can find some value out of this. So there was a pivotal time when my daughter, I think she was like six months old, right? And I hadn't really gotten my bearings yet. I was still just going day by day, trying to get from nap time to nap time, fit in as much work as I could. I did have help. My parents would uh, take my daughter to watch her for a couple hours a day, maybe two or three mm -hmm. days a week. And so it was very helpful. Uh, but I did just kind of bring her with me and work from home. So I remember there was a time when I was giving my daughter a bath, you know, and, and just having this, this time with her, giving her uh, supper and everything. And client, this one client was just blowing my phone up for something that I knew, I knew exactly what they were calling about. And I knew mm -hmm. there was nothing that I could do about it. And it was just to, to vent. And so it was kind of that pivotal moment where I just said, enough, I, ha I have a life. I'm a mom. You know, and, and we are so mindful of like our clients' time and everything. We try to make sure that we are as um, resourceful for them as possible, but it's okay to ask for some of that back from us. So it gave me, I had to learn how to set boundaries and be okay mm -hmm. with it, right? Yeah. I think especially when you're a newer agent or whatnot, you feel like everything is urgent. Everything right. needs a, an immediate response. But in a way, you're enabling the client to take advantage of your time. You're enabling the client right. to... Have you be at their beck and call whenever they have a concern, you have to respond right away. Not to say there aren't times where that is appropriate, but right. when you become a parent, you're forced to make that call. Is this urgent where I'm going to sacrifice time with my child to address yeah. your need? Or can this wait till tomorrow? <laughs> Should right. the client sleep on it? Should they yeah. take a minute and just cool off, right? So you learn that skill very, very quickly. And I think setting boundaries was probably the first um, step and then being okay with having those boundaries set, so being okay with saying, Hey, totally understand. I'm picking up my daughter from daycare right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I will get back to this when my kids are asleep, you know, just send the expectation, um, and being okay with saying, I will get to it later. I found something really interesting happened around that time. <clears throat> you know, m my kids were born, like I said, seven and five years ago. And it almost gave me permission to step into a mindset of abundance. You know, like I was yes. so focused on these little people and my wife who had just been through, through so much with home births and, you know, postpartum and all these things. I thought, man, like there's nothing more important than what I got going on at home. You know, mm -hmm. I want to be of service to these people, but I can certainly compartmentalize this time. And I literally started taking like these 12, 14 hour days and I was home for supper and then I would go back out for one appointment at night. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. And so I, I eliminated my evening work. You know, I wouldn't work past mm -hmm. five thirty or six o'clock. I was home every night to put kids to bed. I would never work a Sunday. And, and I learned that by just viewing the business differently with the sense of abundance and that there's just enough opportunity out there for us. And that I could leverage these new people in my life to my benefit and to my freedom. 
I, I learned that I could actually do more business. And in that time, I actually stepped out of production. You know, after a couple of three years, that I was like, man, I'm going to maximize this opportunity. Like nobody yes. expects a new dad to work on a Sunday. Nobody expects a dad to miss dinner time or bedtime. I'm like, I'm just going to be talking about my kids all the time. And and, right. and people started slotting themselves into these crazy times during mm-hmm. the daytime when normally they would have creeped into like an eight or o'clock or a nine o'clock at night appointment. And I'm sure the same thing happened for you, right? Yeah. Or you get the text like, Hey, so sorry to bug you. You're probably with your kids, but just a quick question, no rush to reply. I'm like, I love that. And then it gives That's you right. the opportunity to acknowledge them, right? We still want mm-hmm. the clients to feel acknowledged. I see you. I hear you. I will get to it. I don't want to rush mm-hmm. through this. And, um, and everything. So it's a new perspective. And you kind of mentioned something with, you know, time management. I think a lot of agents struggle with that. They Mm -hmm. take all day to do certain things that can be actually done in three hours max. Right. But Mm -hmm. they just have all the time in the world or they feel like they have all the time in the world. So instead of being really productive, they're ineffective, which leads to the 12, 14 hour days, seven days a week. I was there. Um, I remember that very clearly, very vividly, but I was just inefficient and unproductive not time blocking. Um, and we hear time blocking and people kind of roll their eyes, but you're kind of forced to time block when you have a <laughs> little true. one with nap times to be mindful yeah. of, or I got a feeder. I have to be done yeah. with this in a few minutes or I got a pump. I have to do what I have to do. So, yeah. and just ex- embracing that life stage and just being grateful for the opportunity to take her with me, to take him with yeah. me. Um, that I, was, I was really, something really cool. Yeah. I was really grateful for, for my wife in that time because, you know, because of what she was going through, she was really demanding on me. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I felt pressure for sure because, you know, I have a business and I have clients and, and I have a wife and, and new children. But I was really grateful that she felt comfortable sharing with me like the needs that she had as a new mom and, you know, somebody who's experiencing postpartum so that I could step into this role. And it gave me a sense of purpose that I didn't have before to compartmentalize that time. Right. And I think that's the challenge that a lot of agents face. I know that you're a coach, you mentor, and I want to hear more about what that looks like in your business. But I know that. For me, I use that as a leverage point. And so one of the challenges that that I have as a coach and team leader, too, is trying to think of other ways to support other agents at different life stages and recognizing yes. that this is possible for anyone, right? right? It doesn't require a child or a wife with postpartum who, like you say, is, is pumping and busy and two kids in the hand and, you know, two, sleeping two hours a night. I mean, there's lots of ways to do that, <laughs> right? So can you walk yes. us through some of this? the tips and strategies that you've shared with the agents that you serve on how they might leverage this, but without two children in tow. You have to take care of yourself. I learned this even more so being a mom. Uh, I, I love my morning routine. My morning routine is sacred to me. I'm a big miracle morning, you know, how I'll rod that book changed my life. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, totally. So that, and I had that before I was a parent. So you can imagine mm-hmm. how much more crucial that became. And I yeah. realized, you know, I am very more, I'm more anxiety prone and I, people are close to me very know that. Uh, yeah. Right? I think most high achievers or, or, you know, people like us are, which yeah. is good and bad, right. Blessing and a curse. So mm-hmm. prioritizing self-care, my morning routine is sacred and nothing will get in the way of my workout time. Nothing mm-hmm. will get in the way of my reading time. Um, you know, we set up our day, set up our habits to make it so that things that are helpful for us to be our best self um, yeah. will happen more naturally. So I tell them, you know, take time out of your, out of, out of your day. Um, expect you're going to have to um, carve out time to take care of yourself. And that way when you're busy, it's still a non-negotiable and mm. you'll find that by prioritizing that you become more effective. You become, you have more patience. You are more focused. You are, mm-hmm. you have better energy. If we start to let ourselves slide, 
because of the life stage that we're in, everything else trickles as a result of that as well. If you say, oh, well, I'm really busy and, you know, agents have the feast or famine in their business, Mm -hmm. right? I would argue a good portion of that is because in the feast, they are not doing the, the, uh, activities no longer or not as effectively that got them to that place to begin with because I'm mm-hmm. so busy. I'm working from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Well, are you really? Um, yeah. You check out your phone. How much are you on social media? How, how, what can you cut out of your day? Uh, so mm-hmm. prioritizing that, being mindful of who gets our attention, mm-hmm. right? I would. I heard uh, a quote recently. I think it's so good that like the number one currency that everyone is vying for is human attention. Mm-hmm. So where are you intentionally putting your attention or who are you letting having your attention, whether it be a, a child, a spouse, a right. partner, um, mm-hmm. anything. So doing that and just making sure that you get your most important work done in the beginning. When do you have the most willpower? When do you have the most energy? When are you most effective? It's usually in the morning. At least that's for me. It might be mm-hmm. different for somebody, but identify that time. Do your lead generation at that time. Do your follow-up at that time. That could be your half hour of power. That's going to take right. you usually you're, you're agonizing over getting that done throughout your whole day. Oh, I got to follow up with this person. Oh, I got to mm-hmm. talk to open house leads. Oh, I got to call people. We'll just get it done in the morning. Get it done yeah. in the morning. That way it's done and you can take care of everything. Being yeah. proactive in our business versus reactive, I think is one of the most important skills that an agent can adopt in their lifestyle be ahead of what is likely going to take place in that day so that you have right. the energy and the time to tackle the fires and the escrows that are coming your way. You can tackle the the client that's on the ledge of canceling contract and you have the ability versus, oh, I still got to call those people. Oh, I still mm-hmm. got to do all these things. Like Get that stuff done in the morning, right? So yeah. really trying to just help them be proactive versus reactive in their business. I think overall, if I could generalize it, that is like the most important mindset uh, practice to adopt. There's like a, a year of stuff to unpack in there. And I want to circle back a little bit. No, no. This <laughs> I tend is to super, do that so much. <laughs> no, it's so valuable. And I think for our viewers and listeners, we just want to go back and, and kind of unpack a few of those details in a, in a little bit more um in a little bit more robust way. And Absolutely. so first thing you mentioned, uh, Hal Elrod's book, The Miracle Morning, same thing for me, completely transformative book. Um, I immediately started getting up super early. I now get up at like four. I go through my gratitude practice, my affirmations, my visualization, my stretching, my cardio, my lifting. Mm-hmm. And if I go more than like two days without doing that, I really, really notice it. And oh, yeah. and if you and I think about what we do in life, you know, we're in the value delivery business. And mm-hmm. if I'm not in a position of being a value delivery vessel, then I can't expect the types of outcomes for myself and my family that I'm hoping for. And I certainly can't deliver that to my clients. And that's exactly what you've just described. And I think that type of habit building is missing for so many realtors because, oh, I'm too busy. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I got, I got to get up and work. Right. I don't have time for that. And it's like, no, no, no. Right. You have to slow down the, sp- the process to speed up the results. Mm-hmm. You're focused on the doing and it's actually the being that is the most impactful piece. And if right. you can focus your energy on being a better version of yourself, slowing down the process to speed up the results, you'll find that you have more time. You'll find that you have better focus to deliver on the things that are highly impactful. And the rest of the stuff just kind of sorts itself out. Your anxiety is lower, your energy is higher, you're happier with your work. And hey, you're probably making more money too, which, which is a good bonus, I think, right? 
Absolutely. And you have to be mindful too of emotional energy. Where are you, what are you letting hold on to you? Right. So when, we, when mm-hmm. agents dwell on that client, when they dwell on that mean listing agent, when they dwell on the lender that dropped the ball and oh my goodness, oh, we yeah. just start complaining. That's training energy, guys. Let it be. Is, is your side of the street clean? Are your hands clean? Have you done what you need to do for the transaction? Okay, then let it go. We're mm-hmm. paid to solve problems. Problems equal profit, right? So if you don't have enough problems that you're putting out in your business, right. you're not doing enough business. It's we all are blessing. Paid to, exactly. You're blessed to have the easy transactions. You are paid to solve the difficult ones. So have the mindset like, okay, I'm being paid to solve this problem and yeah. serve my clients. So how can I be in a position to do that? Stop complaining, be grateful for the problem because that is job security for us in the industry. <laughs> it is. Right? So it's just a whole yeah. different approach to what is taking your energy? Where are you focusing your energy? And we hear that all the time, but I think mm-hmm. it just kind of goes on deaf ears. And um, it's something that you are forced to adopt if you want to not be married to this industry, yeah, right? If you right. want to be have a, a balanced uh life at home and be fulfilled. Yeah. Well, and you said that you said that you, you really find the work beautiful. It's meaningful. It's blissful for you, but you, and I, I can't speak for you, but presumably you've experienced what I've experienced, which is, you know, these massive times of anxiety and overwhelm where you just feel like the world's crashing mm-hmm. in on you. Yes. At, at which point you have to look internally and say, Hey, listen, you know what? Truth be told, I'm blessed to have all these problems, these challenges, these crash deals, all, all these people, I'm privileged to be a part of that. And that gets me one step closer to a transaction. And if I can stop connecting to the outcome and just start connecting to be heart centered, start connecting to the process, start connecting to the people and being of service, the rest will truly work itself out. It's when Mm -hmm. we become so attached to these outcomes and we're trying to force things to happen and we're grinding and we're, we're celebrating the grind and we're telling everybody how busy we are. And it's like, no, no, no. Like you're losing the game. Like you've already lost. Right. Yes. And those of us that are honestly, as you know, more productive and not just busy, understand that we see that like, it's not a badge of honor. That's not a badge of honor at all that you're so busy that you don't have a life outside of your job. You know, that's not why we, most of us got into real estate, right? You, you ask like a new agent, Hey, why real estate? Why'd you get your real estate license? Oh, I like the, uh, this is, this kind of makes me laugh, but the flexibility, right? No flexibility <laughs> means that you can do your job essentially from anywhere, right? You're not tied to your office yeah. space, uh, mm-hmm. but you are working a lot. Uh, but you are still looking for a sense of freedom in terms of, you know, what I get in is what I will get out. And mm-hmm. how can I be the most effective business person and leader without sacrificing the things that are most important to me that made me want to venture into this industry to begin with? Right. Yeah. And being around people that celebrate these same, these same ideas and philosophies and ways of being. And so in light of that, tell us organizationally, you know, you're mm-hmm. a lead agent, you're a team leader, you're also an active agent. Like, how do you embody this in the business in support of the agents that you serve with the clients that you're that you're meeting with? What is it that you do to kind of lift these philosophies up in your organization? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of it's been intentional about being a leader, but I was kind of put into this role with my partnership with David Green and uh, very, very grateful for it. I think organizationally, what we do is a little bit different. In real estate, there's a challenge in finding mutually beneficial mentorship, right? So a new agent comes to the office, they're looking for something to do. They're looking for someone to help them overcome this objection with the, with the lead or convert this mm-hmm. lead or deal with this, this problem. It's challenging, especially post-pandemic world or you know pandemic world where you're trying to find somebody in the office that can uh, stop what they're doing, kind of help you through something. And that's right. going to be beneficial for both. I enjoyed mentoring agents kind of from the beginning. You know, I was 
um, a fairly productive new agent my first year in the business. And I, I think people naturally came to me. So I enjoyed mentoring, but I was like, listen, I, I got, you know, especially once I became a mom, <laughs> I've got 30 minutes to get ready for this listening presentation that I got to go. So I don't have yeah. a whole lot of time to help you. So right. the benefit of what we do as an organization is that we pour into agents, right? All of my agents are handpicked by myself and David, and we really pour into them. Um, I meet with them tw- uh, once every other week for 30 minutes, just one-on-one. Where are you struggling? Where can I help you? Mm-hmm. And really trying to nurture their unique gifts and talents and help them address the ones that they need to work on and mm-hmm. meet them where they are, not just provide a cookie cutter training for every single person that you know is yeah. going to hit some and not others. So meeting the agent where they're at, I also get them immersed in transactions very quickly. Mm-hmm. So when they come work for our team and under me, they are assisting with transactions right away, right? Depending upon their skill and, um, you know, kind of how they perform, they start to give them more and more tasks off my plate that take up time so that I could mm-hmm. focus more on putting more people into contract. So my day typically looks, I'm usually in my office, right? I work pretty much remotely. And I'm doing buyer consultations. I'm doing intro phone calls. I'm converting the lead. I am getting that lead to want to work with us. I'm setting expectations. I'm walking them through the buying process. Once Mm -hmm. they are pre-approved and are on a listing alert, they've gone through that buyer consultation with us. I see they're realistic, that they are motivated and a good buyer. I will then get another agent on the team to be like the showing assistant Mm -hmm. to that client. And their role is to coordinate the showings, gather information that would be helpful for me and the client to strategize on the best offer if they want to get that, you know, write an offer on there. And the showing assistant shows the property and they provide a great experience, right? And they are practicing real estate agents. Obviously it's a given, but I want them to be also working on their own deals. But this Mm -hmm. immersion in transactions, making them be belly to belly with clients uh, right away and starting Mm -hmm. to answer some preliminary questions, any questions that they are hesitant on that's a great question i'll i'm going to share that with Lindsay, and she'll get right back to you after we uh perfect after we're done today so getting them immersed very quickly i'm invested in that client closing so are they they um did I answer your question? I feel like I'm going off a little bit. Of yeah, no. Here. I would actually just like to, to go to circle back a little bit. We yeah. do have a showing partner model on our team. And I want to circle back because I know a lot of our viewers and listeners will have some curiosity around, mm-hmm. around how the mechanics of that work. And so we do ours very similarly. Needs assessment, kind of a joint handoff. We, we live in a smaller community. There's not a commute like there would be in your market. Mm-hmm. So typically we'll get together physically present with both realtors, realtor, showing partner, client. And then we'll set up the needs assessment. We'll kind of strategically... Uh, distance ourselves from the client yes. as this as a senior agent, let the showing partner kind of show up in a more senior role, let them triage the entire middle part of the transaction, pick up the end and away we go. Our compensation around that is $25 per property uh, to a cap of 10. And then the agent pays 5% of the commission to the showing partner as well. Would you mind sharing your compensation model around that? I would. So we have the model that we've been using as a showing assistant comes on and they are practicing real estate agents, right? So this mm-hmm. is applied to their own deals. But when they work as a showing assistant for my transaction, they pay 10% of the commission off the top. Mm-hmm. And then, yep. um, so that's what they get. And for some of the clients, you know, I've done the heavy lifting ahead of time, right? I'm the one that's converted them and um, mm-hmm. sometimes, and we're very good at getting offers accepted. So sometimes yep. it's not uncommon that even if the agent or the client, excuse me, will just go to the open house and say, Hey, I want to write an offer. I'm the one that did all that work. And now I bring on a showing yeah. assistant to kind of take some stuff off my plate and they get 10% of the deal. So, sure. um, some home buyers will have a much longer journey, of course, but that is a, a model for 
the business. Some agents yeah. will, or some clients will get into contract real quickly. Others, it's going mm-hmm. to be a journey. So it sets the expectation that we're not dollar right. per hour necessarily people. Um, but in any case, they're going to have some transactions that close quick, some that take longer, mm-hmm. but either mm-hmm. way, they're getting 10% off the top uh, yeah. just for, for that. Hey guys, this is Aaron Muchistegui for a quick commercial break. And here is a paid advertisement from a guy whose voice you might recognize. Do you want to invest in real estate without all the work? I mean, like incredible returns, massive tax savings, one of the best inflation hedges of all time without all those headaches that come with it. My name is Brandon Turner, a best-selling real estate author with over a million copies of my book sold. And this here is an ad. That's right, a crummy commercial, but I'm actually not selling anything. I'm offering something. You see, I run a real estate investment company called Open Door Capital, where we acquire what's called value-add real estate nationwide to earn great returns for passive investors just like you. We've acquired hundreds of millions of dollars in mobile home parks and apartments, and we recently sold our first fund where we earned our investors over a 35% internal rate of return. And while our past performance is obviously no guarantee of future results, we do believe our track record speaks for itself. Best of all, we have an amazing deal right around the corner right now. So be sure to sign up for our email list at investwithodc.com to be notified when it's open for investment. That's investwithodc.com. And we, I researched this, you know, 18 ways to Sunday. I did a lot of uh, consultations with team leaders from all over. And I think for anyone looking at a buying uh, or sorry, a showing partner model, the things to consider, you know, what, what's the cost of, of doing business in your marketplace? For example, like how, how long does it take to travel to an average showing? How many showings do you typically need to have? How many offers do you have to write to get a deal accepted? You know, yes. and when you know what the mechanics are, and what the cost is, you know, if you've got a $25,000 average end, you know, maybe that's similar to where you're at. 2,500 mm-hmm. bucks is pretty good if you're only showing, yes. you know, five to 10 houses. If it starts to get to 20 to 40 houses right. over a three month period, then you know, we got to look at a different model, right? Yes. And I think, you know, I was talking to uh, this, you know, CEO of David Green team the other day, we meet every week. And I told him, I said, you know, I had kind of a, a thought, you either provide the opportunity or you receive the opportunity, mm-hmm. right? So the, as a showing agent, you're receiving the opportunity, right? You're given the opportunity to work on transactions, to work with clients, mm-hmm. to get the reps in, as David likes to call it, you are- That's right you know, you're getting the confidence building so that when you go and talk to your own sphere of influence or your own leads, you have more confidence because you've done a lot more volume in terms of work than a typical agent who's maybe been in the business for six months and has done maybe one or two deals. They, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not uncommon. My agents will close alongside me 10 million in their first eight to 10 months. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's very, and so their confidence grows or skills grow. And as that happens, you know, they can, uh, convert their own clients much sooner. But, you know, are you going out there and doing the things that like David's doing that I'm doing and trying to get the opportunities to come to our door and converting them or you're receiving right. the opportunities and the conversation is going to be different based upon that uh, providing value model or are you receiving the value? Right. So. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So how do you, how do you get your agents into the position of attaining the opportunities? So do you have a culture of prospecting? What is the expectation of an agent that's newer on your team that you're bringing into the fold? Yeah. So the expectation is that they are simultaneously trying to grow their own business with with our mentorship, my mentorship, while assisting with clients. So the showing assistant Mm -hmm. opportunity, everyone comes on as a buyer's agent, right? So we try to change the, um, I guess the role someone plays because are, are you a real estate agent or are you like a, mm-hmm. an employee, right? Um, if they're a real estate agent they're and if they're 
I get a client that is in their territory. So we serve a very wide territory. We're from Northern LA County all the way into San Diego and Inland Empire, mountain and desert communities for our short-term rental buyers. So we really have mm-hmm. quite a wide range. That's why I have five agents and looking to, to bring in more. Um, so if it's in their territory and I think it's a good fit for them, like on a personality kind of wise, um, mm-hmm. then they're given the opportunity. They don't have to take it, right? They don't have to be a showing assistant to that client, but they're given the opportunity to be one and, right. um, you know, kind of add to their clientele as well. So, um, we expect that they do take on showing assistant opportunities just because that also gives me a look into what their skills are. What, what talents do they have that I can harness versus what do I need to show them as their leader that they need to work on and be intentional about, um, improving on. And it's, that's been a, a really fulfilling part of uh, my role as a lead mm. agent there, but, um, they also need to be making five phone calls a day, yeah. right? Like you need to be prospecting you need to be on the phone, talking to people about real estate, you know, right. it's just it, having conversations about real estate. And that's so easy to do right now. Right. I feel like the real estate is rampant in the headlines. It's not going to be difficult at all to find some way to bring up real estate in conversations and make it organic and genuine. Right. But still yeah. be reaching out and intentionally having those conversations. Uh, we don't have like a minimum, you know, production standard, but at the same time, if someone does close two transactions on their own, their own clients, so not one of my showing assistant, um, opportunities with their own deals to in a 45 day period, they get a private mastermind every month with David, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and myself. So there's incentive there and they get, well, like more individual coaching if they are performing. If not, some agents are very happy being a showing assistant because they get to do kind of the more fun part of the industry. Yeah, right. They get to do right. the, the fun client interaction part. They're not putting out the fires that I'm putting out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? there's so, a lot less stress, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, cool. right. So, so tell us about this mastermind. So, you know, for those of our listeners that don't know, uh, David Green runs the uh, Bigger Pockets podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm curious about what this mastermind looks like for your agents. Are you talking to them about investment properties? Or are you talking to them about growing their own personal business? H- how does that work? What's that benefit? Both. So it really depends upon the agent and where they are, where they're at. So we'll talk about challenges that they're facing. Um, if they're starting to hit that uh, threshold where they're, we need to work more on being proactive in their business or reactive, mm-hmm. you know, like where can we mm-hmm. help the agent kind of get past the next level? Uh, we encourage our agents 100% to invest, right? We work with primarily investors. So if they're not investing themselves or at least have an interest in investing, they don't speak the same language. And that's almost like, I don't say a criteria, but that's strongly encouraged mm-hmm. for anyone that comes on my team um, to have that interest. They don't have to own an investment property yet, right? But at least, you know, have read David Green's books, uh, listen to Bigger Pockets podcasts, have an interest in that, be able to talk house hacking, be able to talk about investment properties, short term rentals, and all the things. And mm-hmm. that is what builds credibility with our clients. So when they get that one on one, the, the, semi-private mastermind with David, he might share some insight of what he's doing with his own portfolio, how to overcome specific objections that maybe some more savvy investors are having in the market that we're in. How can you turn the conversation? How can you help get this client on or off the edge? What would David say to this client? And, um, you know, it helped provide certain uh, business plans for clients based upon where they are. We have some agents who are still full-time W-2 employees, how to get them right. out of their job or how to work with them. So really very catered to, there's maybe four or five agents on that mastermind every month. So they really do get a good amount of time. And David's so invested in the agent success that, you know, he's he's happy to to pour into them each month. So it depends upon the questions they have that they bring to him as yeah. well as what he thinks could be valuable for them. 
That's a great opportunity. What a value mm-hmm. proposition. Cool. Right. Hey guys, this is Aaron Muchistegui for another quick commercial break. But this is something a lot of you guys have been asking about. When we had our mastermind in May, we had a lot of people ask us about coaching, about how can we continue this process? Because so many of the people, so many of you guys out there listening to the podcast, you don't have resources where you are. You don't have other people nearby that can be mentors for you, that you can bounce ideas off of. And this business can be really, really lonely if you're not doing it with other people. So we have just now launched a great program for you and it's just Hyben Digital Coaching. It's it's Real Estate Rockstars Coaching. And here's what we do. We've got a, we've got a spot you can go to. You go to realestateradio.fm forward slash coaching. We have individual one-on-one coaching where if you sign up, we match you up with a coach and we figure out like who's going to be the best coach for you for a couple calls a month. It's not that much money. It's I think it's going to be 950 bucks a couple calls a month with a coach that's been where you're going and they're gonna try to help you. And then we also have group coaching for a lot less where you can sign up and you can get in group coaching with groups of 10 and we can do calls every couple weeks uh, with different people that'll guide you through that process. So if you've been getting a lot from this mastermind, but you think you would get a little bit more for some one-on-one coaching from somebody who is has been exceeding in real estate, go to realestateradio.fm forward slash coaching realestateradio.fm forward slash coaching and sign up. We can't wait to find somebody to help you. So, so help us understand what's happening for, for your team this year. How are you going to measure success? How will we know in 12 months time when you're looking back at this time of year that you've won the springtime that you've won Q2, how, how do you measure success on your team? Oh yeah. So we, we've been blessed with the great, uh, 2022 so far. So are we, this whole partnership and uh, team began in May of 2021. That was really when we started. So the first, you know, seven months or so of the um, the team, we did 25 million in the rest of 2021. In 2022, we set a goal to hit 80 million. We uh, will have a closing today, and when we close that, will be just under 30 million so far for 2022. Nice. And so yeah, and it's it's been great. You know, really watching the agents develop the confidence and. Um, you know, the skill set and we're, we're having a great time. That's mostly buyers too. So that could be a whole other topic where, you know, that kind of volume typically is more on the listing side, right? So the mm, teams right. that are doing that kind of volume are on listings. We are primarily buyers just based upon the type of clientele that we get. So yeah. real unique um, model that we have and what we can show. So uh, if we hit 80 million, fantastic. But if not, I know that we're still in the beginning stages of the team, only room to grow from here. Um, looking to, build upon what we already have. And, you know, I want to bring on um, a couple of new hires to help the, uh, David likes to say, make the boat go faster, right? You know, yeah, is this making right. the boat go faster or you're slowing us down and making sure we're anything that we're doing to the team makes the boat go faster, makes us get to our goal. So as a David Green team overall goal, I think we have like 200 million that we want to hit for the year and yeah. we're on track, but for SoCal specifically, our team, we want to hit 80 million. And so we're about to close just under 30 million today. Super exciting. Now I got to think the rest of the world looks at California like an absolute bloodbath of a real estate market. You know, you've got a gazillion realtors. They're not and, wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, and and competing offers and you know all yes. this. So so for our listeners and our viewers, can you just share with us like the landscape that you're dealing with and what a new agent, what you have to put up with in a transaction, just so that we can all have some context for what you've described, please. Yes. So it is definitely a bloodbath, both on the agent standpoint to get a client, to get a listing, but then also get your offer accepted. So 
skills have never been more crucial in my career than they are today. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll tell new agents, I'm like, listen, you need to get yourself aligned with someone who's doing a lot of deals because the gap on the agents or who are doing the deals versus those who are just trying to get what's left over is diminishing, right? It used Mm -hmm. to be like what 10% of the agents are doing 80% of the deals arguing. Now it's probably less than 5% of the agents are doing 90 to 95% of the deals. So -hmm. you have to get yourself aligned with a team or an agent that is doing some business to get that immersion. But from a practical standpoint, to get our offers accepted, we have a real strategic process that we prepare the buyers for, right? So every buyer that we take on has gone through a consultation. They know what to expect. They know this is not the market to dip your toe in or say, Mm -hmm. let's start at this price and see what they come back with. Nope, we're not going to do that. We are not the team that is going to write 10 offers and just like throwing a plate of spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. No, we are very strategic. You know, my reputation is on the line. I take that and David's reputation on the lines. We take that very seriously. So we are really strategic with how we approach listing agents and Mm -hmm. how um, we make sure the client is prepared to write an offer. We're very real with the client about what it's going to take to even be competitive. And if they're Mm -hmm. not willing to be competitive in that market, then we're going to encourage them to pass and go, you know, not write the offer, not drain Mm -hmm. their resources and feel Mm -hmm. rejected again, right? Let's move towards another thing. And we're not afraid to have a conversation of, you know, Hey, I think we need to change our strategy here. Let's look at this area or consider this type of, of home and everything. Then also I tell clients, um, sorry, did you have a a question? I know I could keep. No, no, you go. It's good. And then uh, we are really strategic with how we present the offers. So we've gotten quite a few offers accepted just based upon how we present ourselves. We don't just call the listing agent the day that the offer is due and say, hey, my client wants to write an offer. Uh, how many do you have? Where are you landing? What, what do they want? Like The agent's like, who are you? I've gotten 20 phone calls just like you. We build rapport with the agents, you know, and that way when it's off actual offer deadline time, I said, you know, hey, I want to give you the winning offer. I don't want to give you another offer to comb through. Are you guys above 750? And just kind of pause and let them respond, you know, because that kind of catches them off guard right there. Then they might say, like, uh, uh, not yet. Okay, thank you. That's where we need to be. So, <laughs> it, or they are like, oh yeah, we're over 800 actually. Okay, great. This is not, my client doesn't have a chance. So I'm going to take that back to the client versus, oh, they have four offers and all over asking price. Mm-hmm. That means nothing, right? And wave contingencies is another big topic. And we have, we never recommend that a client waive inspection contingency. Um, appraisal contingency is a bit more common, but not always crucial. We do have a mm-hmm. handful of deals where they do, in fact, have the appraisal contingency in place. And I'll tell clients, you know, the agents that don't have a lot of skills and don't know what else to do are going to tell you that you have to do those things. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you right now, we have, you know, 11 in escrow and only two of them have waived appraisal contingency. You know, so we'll, um, I can continue to go on, but <laughs> I want to make sure. Well, that's really powerful, though. That's why that was actually one of my questions: was what's the kind of what's the ninja tactic that you've been using to be successful? And what I've heard you say is build rapport and ask good questions, right? Hundred percent. And speaking to listing agents' concerns, we do have a lot more back on markets. We have a lot of buyers falling through mm-hmm. either because they're getting cold feet or because they. Um, they actually can't get the loan. They haven't talked to a lender in a month. They forget that yeah. rates have risen dr- drastically, right? So mm-hmm. they can no longer get the loan. So I'll say like in the offer submission email, as well as my conversation with the, with the listing agent, hey, listen, I know it's scary to take a buyer's offer. You want to make absolutely certain that this buyer is going to yeah. close. 
well, we've closed over 28 million so far in 2022. I only share that so that you know we have a track record of closing. My buyers right. are well prepared. They're educated. They know what's expected of them in this market. We're not going to get in and get cold feet and back out. We're going to close and just making sure we really speak to those concerns. And of course, the lender give me a call, uh, making sure we have a solid pre-approval um, yeah. is really, really important. And just uh, making ourselves look better, which is not difficult than most agents out there, but making us look better than everybody else. So we may not be the right. strongest offer, but they want to work with us. Yeah. So much is important here. One of the first things that I heard you say here was doing great due diligence and a needs assessment with each and every buyer, setting yes. expectations, laying out the landscape of what's about to happen for them and keeping them informed of what's going to be reasonable, what's going to work and what's not going to work. And mm-hmm. not waiting for that thing to fail before you have the hard conversation up front and say, hey, listen, I, you know, I want you to win, but if we do what you're suggesting, unfortunately, here's what I anticipate happening. Now, fiduciary duties apply. I'm happy to go ahead and do that if you tell yes. me to. However, I, I don't think it's going to work. What if we did this? And mm-hmm. then laying out for them exactly what to do, but simultaneously packing in this ego that so many realtors carry around with them and just going to the listing agent humbly asking great questions and trying to find a way to to put a deal together. And at the end of mm-hmm. the day, you know, just as well as I do, Lindsay, that your client doesn't care if they're going to spend an extra five or 10 grand on this house. They want the house in right. a year's time. They've forgotten what they paid for it. And they're probably way ahead in their equity position anyway. Right. Yes. And we want to use those stories like you just described to get other buyers off the ledge. Right. You know, to, to, <laughs> to not him and haw over that five grand. And they're like, Oh, you know, um, so they fucked up here you know, him and Han over, you know, what if it's an appraiser, what, what, all these what if scenarios and, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to share the story of the buyer, buyer, and we have plenty of them who did wait, right? Or they did let that deal go over $5,000. Now they're paying $15,000 more and they got a higher rate on a house that they like less. I want to make right. sure you don't have that type of regret, you know, um, and everything. Yeah. So you, you nailed it. Setting expectations and not letting them, him and Har get stuck on yeah. a small detail that they're going to forget about probably even once they close. So much value that you're providing here today, Lindsay. I recall when we first started chatting that you're actually in a hiring position right now. So if somebody was interested in in having you as a mentor and joining your organization, can you tell us a bit about the opportunity that you have right now? Absolutely. So we are looking to hire more um, agents. So if this type of model sounds like something an agent's interested in, right? They're um, wanting to, to work hard. They're looking for uh, deals to work on and the willing to, you know, grow their business and everything. We are looking to hire. We primarily have needs in uh, Riverside, Orange County, the desert communities of like Joshua Tree and 29 Palms, Yucca Valley, as well as, um, I mean, we'll, we do have some needs, you know, just for Los Angeles and things, but primarily areas that I have work for you right now um, yeah. is Riverside <laughs> and the uh, desert communities. But then on top of that, I'm looking specifically for myself, um, almost like a manager position. I think uh, Aaron Novella was, was a uh, recent uh, guest on the podcast here and he talked about a client care coordinator. I thought that is genius, right? So I'm going to incorporate that into my uh, manager role, their role. Like if someone's a real estate agent and they like to talk to people, but they hate to generate leads or they don't mm-hmm. really want to show property, they'd rather just be on the phone and doing quick status updates and checking in on people and making them feel good and following up with my leads. Um that is what I'm looking for, as well as this person will be holding the agents on the team accountable. They might be mm-hmm. like uh, somebody to check in with them, see how things are going, and um, just kind of managing some of the operational day-to-day 
activities. So they have the opportunity and are encouraged to also do their own real estate transactions. But if they like to have something to do, if they want to be kind of like on a, a payroll salary type of situation um, yeah. and have, you know, be on the phone a lot with, with clients and leads, uh, that's what I'm looking for right now. And they do need to live in Southern California. I would like them to be local. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, right candidate is going to uh, surpass any of that criteria too. Fantastic. What if somebody just wants to reach out to you and and celebrate you, ask you some questions? Maybe they're curious about your model or some of the things that you've accomplished as a mother, um, time management, you know, all these great things that you've shared with us today. How would one find you? Yeah. So Instagram is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, you know, we got a lot of emails and everything like that uh, per day and I wouldn't <laughs> want things to get lost. So you guys can find me on Instagram. It's my handle is Lindsay Iskerko Realtor. Um and you can send me a direct message. I'd love to connect with you guys on there. I do a lot on there too, in terms of sharing success stories, market updates, tips for agents. And so even if, you know, don't really want to connect, but just want to follow along, uh, it's a great way to, to find me there, but also uh, would love to, to connect with anybody. And if you think that you could be a good fit for any of the opportunities I just described, would love to chat with you. Fantastic. Thanks for being here today, Lindsay Eskerka. You are definitely a real estate rock star. It's been such a pleasure hanging out with you. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney. You as well. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Of course. You bet. Awesome. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.